Clarita here, and I've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. If you want to release your music into the world, DistroKid's the easiest way to get your music into all the major streaming platforms, unlimited uploads, and keep 100% of your royalties. And because you're a Design Freaks listener, you get 30% off. Go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash Design Freaks. DistroKid. The Design Freaks Podcast. Hello. Thank you for listening. Uh, this is a show about music industry design um, and the people behind those record covers, band logos, and posters. My name's Clarita. I am a Seattle-based graphic designer, um, and I am trying my best right now in one of probably the craziest moments in human history. Maybe. Hey, this is my first poster show. I interviewed Samantha Wendell out of Austin, Texas. Her posters are killer. She also uh, makes t-shirts. She's about to update or restock her store. So looking forward to that. Um, I bought one of her risograph prints before. Gorgeous. So just to, uh, for the new listeners, I wanted to go over my show a little bit, give a little bit of background. Sometimes I talk to a fellow designer or musician about a famous designer like Barney Bubbles. It's not around anymore, but he has done such iconic work for Hawkwind, Stiff Records, The Damned, you know, Elvis Costello, Nick Lowe, um, bunches, I mean, endless. Um, so that's a really fun episode where I talked to my friend Brian. Um, and then other ones, I talked to album cover designers like Perry Schall. Uh He's the designer for Easy Eye Sound, and he's recently designed the latest EP for Kurt Weil on Matador. Very cool. And sometimes uh, I talk to art directors who own record labels like King Khan, uh, Nicholas Galanin recently. And King Khan episode is long, but it's really good. He uh, directed and collaborated with uh, the Game of Thrones artist, Michael Eaton. Um, so he talks about him. He talks about Johnny Sampson and photographer Miron Zauner. He also worked with Alejandro Hordorowski. Uh, lots of cool stories. Um, you know, give it a listen, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there will be photos and links on the website, designfreakspodcast.com. Just want to mention that you can also get Ruinous merch at ruinous.com slash shop. Uh, and you can buy a Garfield Joy Division shirt. Why not? <laughs> So I'm excited to introduce you to my guest, but uh, I wanted to say thank you to our episode sponsor, Isotope. Uh, their audio software like RX helps me to clean up noise in my recordings, and then Neutron for mixing helps it sound better overall, and it really does sound amazing. Um, there was actually a fan running in the background of my last episode, and I didn't think that we could fix it, and after the Isotope plugins, it was completely gone like magic. 
Right now they're offering a 10% discount to our listeners. So go to isotope.com slash ruinous and enter the code RUIN10. Also want to add that their website is a great resource. Um, there's information about their products, of course, like their plugins and post-production suites, but there's also something called the Learn Archive. There's lots of art- articles on like audio basics, um, really interesting stuff. Go to isotope.com slash ruinous. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com and enter the code RUIN10 and become a better producer. So getting back to the show intro, I want to give a little background on my guest, Samantha Wendell. Uh, She lives in Austin, Texas, which is also my little hometown uh, that I love so much that I don't live there. (laughs) No, it's great. It's fine. But she is just a a great gig poster and t-shirt designer. I've actually been a fan of her work for a while. um, So it was great to talk to her. Um, She's also an example of how the music industry kind of coming to a halt during COVID uh, has affected not only the musicians and venues, but also the artists who, um, the freelancers who design the promotion materials for the venues. Um, I love her story because she actually pivoted during the pandemic. She uh, started to use her skills and creativity to bring social justice issues to light. So she designed a George Floyd poster, really, really nice. Um, and her style is so cool. Um, her work is, is intricate. It's layered. It's, it's, it's engaging. So she also does beautiful risograph prints. That's the thing I forgot to bring up in our interview before we hung up. I was like, I know I'm forgetting something. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk about risograph because, uh, she does killer risograph posters. And if you're not familiar with that printing style, it's basically, um, it's digital screen printing and it's those real bright inks. Um, they come in like, uh, bright colors that can overprint like a screen print. Another bit of info relevant to my guest is there's a long history of protest design. You can look at what, uh, Emery Douglas did for the black Panther party, Uh, There's so many movements that have happened and there's always art that accompanies them. It seems like, Um, you know, looking at the protests in France in 1968, it's amazing to see those posters are kind of depressing because you look at those and it's shocking how relevant the subject matter is. It could be some of these could be the actual posters for Black Lives Matter protests on Capitol Hill right now. It's kind of hopeful because I am seeing designers use their visual communication skills, branding knowledge to, you know, encourage people to register, to vote early. There's a lot of really cool looking designs that get passed around. I think it's really effective. And in that way, I think there is a responsibility. Um, Now here's my chat with Samantha Wendell, aka at DeathScum on Instagram. Hope you enjoy. Hi, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. Um, I've actually mentioned your posters on the show before. Um, I try to recommend Instagram accounts Mm -hmm. at the beginning of episodes. Um, Since my show is so much about history, um, a.k.a. dead people, (laughs) uh, I try to highlight an a.k.a. dead European dudes. (laughs) 
you live in Austin. Are you from Austin? I live in Austin. I've been here about 10 years. I'm originally from Indiana, though. I'm a Midwest transplant. How do you like it? Uh, I love it. It's a little hot for me, but and, uh, the allergies, the, you know, that, that could, the, the sort of curse of Austin's stuff Ugh. isn't, isn't too bad, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot different than Indiana, as you can imagine, but in a good way. Yeah, I miss it. Um, there's a lot of things I love about Austin. I don't miss the giant cockroaches that fly at you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is hot. I miss it. I always wonder how, especially during COVID, cause I can't go back. Yeah. It's a little weird. How's it been? Uh, I mean, I honestly, I lost about 90% of my work with COVID because I, I was doing a combination of um, commercial and just freelance stuff. But so I, all my commercial work was almost immediately gone, um, which is what led me to doing more protest art and kind of focusing more in that direction, actually. Was it the uh, the clubs closing? Yeah, that was a huge part. I uh, Before COVID, I worked at Beerland. I was their poster designer, and mm-hmm. I don't know how familiar I with that, but we had a big change of ownership and then uh, mass layoffs. We had to actually protest our employer because he stopped paying us for three months, but we were still oh, working. Oh, really? Yeah, it was a mess. So that happened um, late last year, mid last year, and then, so that kind of cut some of my work out, but I kind of built it back up right, right before COVID hit, and then, yeah, all the music clubs definitely had a big dent and had a big like role to play in that so you were doing work to promote shows and the shows were happening pre-covid and you weren't getting paid is that uh this was a yeah this was about a year ago half a year six months to a year that everyone on staff was working for about three months without getting paid (gasps) oh my gosh eventually we just all quit and then it went out of business shortly after oh okay gosh every time i go back there's like all these new things and then Oh, that's not here. <laughs> yeah, that was always a problem, but now it's even more so with all the COVID closures. Where's Liberty Lunch? <laughs> <laughs> so that's crazy. Is that typical? Do you find that in the, you know, designing music posters for clubs? Is it hard to get paid, like, with bands? Uh, not, it's usually not. And honestly, like, I worked for years at Beerland with it never being a problem. But we had a change in ownership and things kind of just went sour. But I don't think that that's usually typical. I think most places, at least ones I've worked with, are pretty good about paying. Yeah, I see that you did work for, uh, is it Cheer Up Charlie's? Yeah, uh, more recently I've done, before, obviously before all the closures, um, yeah, Cheer Up Charlie's, um, Hotel Vegas, Barracuda, pretty much anyone doing, like, punk shows, <laughs> any club in town that's doing punk shows. Yeah, uh. A shout out to Matt Rodriguez, my friend who I grew up with in Austin, oh, nice. who did the little sad rainbows and yeah, uh, yeah, it makes me happy. Um, so yeah, so back to you said Indiana, right? Yes. Yeah. Did you go to design school there or fine arts? Uh, I went to Purdue University for a technical graphic design uh-huh. um, program, and then I transitioned into furniture design, and then I dropped out my last year and moved to Austin because I just. Needed to change. wasn't really. I ran out of financial aid, and then I kind of just figured it would be a good time to just go somewhere else and start over. And ultimately, I think that was for the better because I, I had a. I was trying to make a practical life decision to not, you know, because I never had any art school training at all, and I, I guess I didn't see the value in it until I got older. So it seems like you got a great education, though. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like the combination of having that those technical skills and the typography mastery but also with the punk aesthetic I, 
love it. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could credit my all the money I paid for college, but it really had very little to do with it that I learned most of that in Austin, going to shows, playing in bands, just doing independent research, just finding what my interests were. Isn't that funny that we did, like, a, a lot of the stuff that uh, sort of formed my style came from my own research. I think that's, like, the more organic way. I think it, mm-hmm. it benefits designers in a lot of ways rather than having it kind of force-fed to you in school. Mm-hmm. Because also they're so obsessed with UX design, too. Yeah, yeah definitely. So it's almost like uh, being a visual or, a, you know, a, yeah, artistic or I don't know, what do you even call it, a visual designer? Yeah, uh, graphic print. Yeah, production or whatever. That's seen as, like, getting a fine art degree almost. Yeah. What are you going to do with that? (laughs) The album covers? No one gets to do that. Uh, But, uh, so have you done record covers? Uh, Yeah, I've done a few. Um, Trying to think the last one I did. Uh, I've done a lot of work with uh, uh, semantic or semantic records here in Austin recently for um, Michael C. Sharp. Uh, Future Museums on Holodeck Records. Uh, I did a few covers for them recently. I've been doing some other single art because they're doing a lot of digital single art right now. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, I know a lot of album releases were delayed, but it seems like yeah. people are starting to get going again. Yeah, I think things are kind of picking back up. Before. That's great. Um, I didn't realize that you were solely freelance. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm 100% freelance. Even the poster gig work I was doing was kind of just one-off for different clubs. Mm-hmm. And it was, like I said, I was doing a little bit of a mix of commercial work, kind of more creative design music stuff for Austin. And after COVID, it's pretty much down to being able to focus more on uh, creative work and freelance work, independent work, which is ultimately ended up being a good thing. That's awesome. And the t-shirts you're doing are just fantastic. Um, we'll, I'll put up like links to everything in the show notes and on my website. Um, but I have just, I love even the John Prine. Yeah, that one was really fun to do. It's gorgeous. Uh, <laughs> I love your, uh, obviously you're influenced by psychedelia. Yeah, living in Austin helps with that, too. I think you yeah. can't, can't avoid it here. <laughs> um, and so about your process a little bit, um, do, you, do, you, do you work uh, 100% digital or half and half? Uh, it varies project to project. It's overall half and half, probably. Do you use Xerox? Yeah, sometimes if it works for the project. Um, some hand illustration stuff or hand lettering. Mm-hmm. Or combination, kind of a mix of Illustrator and Photoshop, too. I'm noticing some, uh, I love future fonts. Yeah, I'm a big fan. <laughs> I love future fonts. And I love the, are they part of Studio Triple, the French studio? I think, yeah, I think they have at least some sort of connection, because a lot of the designers do fonts for them. I think there's some sort of tie in there. Oh, I'm obsessed. Can you tell the listeners, um, are you, do you want to uh, reveal where else you shop? Uh, I I get a lot from um, obviously future fonts and like type founders like that Um, fontsinuse.com is a really great um, visual source for seeing fonts it's literally in use as it says yeah (laughs) I love I've recommended that before on the Joe Plummer show yeah it helps to see the different fonts in conjunction with each other I think that was a big about to say game changer, but that's embarrassing. I made a big difference in, in my typography <laughs> skills, getting to see, um, I mean, obviously seeing other people's work, but seeing, because it's a mix of, like, contemporary work and, you know, a lot of work from the 60s and 70s, which I, like, 
like I'm heavily inspired by. I love when you see something that you thought was modern and you see it like, oh, that was on a biscuit bag. Like, <laughs> weird. Yeah. It looks cool. I was going to ask you, speaking of Austin and like new agey stuff, um, when I was a kid, my mom had an astral projection cassette tape <laughs> and I didn't know what I thought was going to happen. I thought it would just be like magic and I was going <laughs> to fly around the room or something. Um, what got you interested in that? I want to say, you know, something really nice and sympathetic to like new age culture and arts and crystals and yoga, and, but I'm really not a big strong believer in those things it's more of a satire to me ah interesting I'm, it's more it has more to do with my obsession with like 60s and 70s hippie culture um and counterculture stuff i look at a lot of like uh, the old ephemera and flyers and things from that era different designs from them uh it's more of an aesthetic thing for sure i don't know that i have the type of mind that can project itself astrally <laughs> your master teachers in the crystal cave this is for someone who has been on the path for many years as well as the beginner order crystal cave now so you can move forward on your personal path to enlightenment call 1-800-237-6300 to be the spiritual person you desire to be and of course you can <laughs> i know i wonder if I want it to work so so well, but you know, it's, I can't. I just can't force it. I know I'm too much of a Vulcan, I think, to, to yeah. have that actually happen. But it's so funny that you say it's satire because this leads me to, first of all, your amazing design, your father Yod design, <laughs> who I'm obsessed with Source Family and yeah. in a sarcastic way, which I feel bad about. <laughs> Um, but I want, I'm going to post a photo of your shirt cause it's also like a play on words too, uh, that what if Yod was one of us <laughs> <laughs> and it's a gorgeous design. I'm totally going to order one, by the way, um, almost everything's sold out in the store, but, uh, I'll still post a link to it. Cause yeah, I'm actually, I'm about to make that not the case. I've been working on printing some of the old designs to restock them until. Oh, awesome. Okay, so I'm about to send you a photo that goes with this story. So a, a while back, like 10 years ago or 12 years ago, um, my friend owned this huge gallery venue space. It was kind of like a warehouse, and we it was a multi-purpose space. Um, and I had some a bunch of paintings hanging up. Um, was my uh, sarcastic father Yod painting, which I just sent you. And so what I did was I thought it was so not funny it's not death isn't funny but i thought it was interesting that he thought he could hang glide without <laughs> learning how to land yeah death isn't funny but that death is kind of funny kind of like, what <laughs> why would you think you could so it's almost like poking fun at i don't know it and plus <laughs> the source family was so comically patriarchal that yeah. it's like cartoonish in that way right so Oh, absolutely. It de he definitely needed taken down a peg or two for sure. <laughs> so I thought it'd be funny to paint, to do a painting that looked like a 70s hang glider, like those colors. <laughs> yeah. um, and then instead of his medallion from that famous photo, I put a little kite there. And so <laughs> yeah, it's great. one day or one weekend, uh, guess who plays at that venue where my paintings are hanging up? Yahawa 33. <laughs> the band that used to be the Source Family Band. Yeah. Right? Um and so they played, and there were some original Source Family people. Oh, wow. So anyway, a couple of the OG Source Family people were there, and they took pictures of it. And <laughs> I thought I was in big trouble 
because to me, it's obviously satire, even though I am interested <laughs> in their, you know, they weren't a bad cult in my mind. Yeah. They weren't like killing people. Or... Anyway, she contacts me, one of uh, Father Yod's 13 wives, and uh, ends up coming to my house and making out with the painting pretty much. <laughs> And uh, I felt like <laughs> she was astral projected. projected. I felt like she kind of blessed <laughs> it. And then they released the documentary and I went and I didn't realize this, but I guess I was a guest of honor at the screening. <laughs> so this thing just kept going like a Costanza thing where I just had to keep going. I don't know. I mean, whatever. I, as long as they enjoy it, it doesn't matter that I'm an asshole. That's the thing about those types of people in those groups is that they take themselves so seriously they can't see the humor in it anymore, uh, even even this many years after. Yeah, how can you not step back and see? But um, I just, yeah, that's the thing about art and design for me. It's got to be funny for me. Or, I don't know, there's got to be something yeah. funny. I love your use of the little, the little fuzzy guy that's uh, giving the middle finger. Who's that little <laughs> dude from the 70s? Oh, uh, I don't, I don't know the origin of it. I found it on like an old piece of ephemera and I was like, oh, I'm going to steal that. <laughs> that's, that's great. Harry Shal drew it as a little COVID. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely see that. What was the first record cover that mesmerized you or that you remember? Did you grow up with records in your house? Yeah. Like Bob Seger and uh, CCR <laughs> and maybe Elvis. That's like the extent of my, my mom's record collection growing up. Um, it wasn't really a music-heavy family. See, uh, that's what makes us cooler, because... <laughs> we had to overcome adversity. <laughs> exactly. My mom liked Frank Sinatra. That's pretty good. And that was pretty much... And the Beatles. Yeah, of course. Every mom loves the Beatles. People with cool parents, that's a shortcut. Anyways. Yeah, they get, they get it too easy in life. <laughs> so, do you remember the covers at all? Was it which Bob Seger? Uh, I don't know, one where you had a lot of chest hair. I don't really remember. <laughs> I'm not a big Bob Seger fan today, obviously. CCR, I do like. They're, I think they're valid. I, I agree with my mom's interest in that. Aww, in Credence. Yeah. But I, I don't really have a strong connection to record covers at that age. But I mean, as I got older, um, one that stands out to me, which is kind of silly because it's not very design heavy, is uh, Here Come the Warm Jets, the Brian Eno record. Just because I, I love that logo so much. They're like multicolor, very 70s, like that dimension font. And then it's just kind of just a chaotic, messy shelf. I remember just like trying to look for little things in it a lot when I first saw it. Exactly. Always notice something new in there. It's like a, mm -hmm. like a hoarder, like a really artistic hoarder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that record cover too. It's it is mesmerizing. It's like um, like I've said before. It's like it used to be like a cereal box where it gave you something <laughs> to kind of look at. Um, yeah. And speaking of that logo, I have a. Um, what are those pins called? The, uh, the, the real shiny, like metal. Anyways. Um, um, what else? Is there anything coming up that you're excited about? Any new projects? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've always got like kind of a slew of commissions, um, working on, uh, it's for a charity. So it's probably about now, but it's for, um, a, comp a compilation to benefit a local pipeline here in Texas or to benefit the protests of a local pipeline here in Texas. Oh, wow. I didn't know about that. Yeah, I actually just, just picked it up not that long ago. I'm not super familiar with it yet, but I'm excited about the project. It's obviously for a good cause. Yeah. Um, it has a lot of lost or local Austin records. Uh, Jess Williamson, our performers, um, Molly Birch, Big Thief, um, 
but it's uh, it's fundraising for um, the the Permian uh, Highway Pipeline. It's to help raise funds to fight the putting that in here in Texas. P E R M I A N Highway Pipeline goes to the uh, Carrizo Comacrudo tribes here in Texas for their legal funds. And when I was growing up, it was always the city versus the state on, on yeah. a lot of stuff, and hardly anything got done because it was so contentious. It's still very much like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think all it's changed, unfortunately. Are you? Did you get hooked up with any official organizations, BLM or? or... Um, no, nothing specifically. I kind of just, you know, had all that extra time from like losing all that work and. I wanted to do something to contribute, obviously, and support the cause, and I thought doing some donated works and offering free resources to people for protests or shirts or whatever. Um, and then from there, I just kind of started researching charities that, um, you know, I thought would do the most good or affect the right change that I wanted to see. Yeah. And what, uh, did you work for Bernie? I, I love your Bernie poster, too. No, I'm just a fan. <laughs> what a bummer. Yeah. I made that right, I think, right before he announced he was dropping out, too, so I, I feel kind of responsible to some degree. No, you <laughs> Someone else will have to carry his torch now, do yeah. you think? Yeah, definitely. Hopefully. Whatever happens, there's always design there. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Gotta keep moving forward, you know. I was admiring like how you break the rules of design, but it looks still awesome because really in school, you're not supposed to use this many different fonts. I know. I, I get told that all the time. Yeah, like, but it works. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, the, the benefit of not having a formal education is you don't know what you're not supposed to do to a large degree. So if you like it, you just run with it. And I, I kind of like overly complicated font use and like little hidden things and designs. I was just thinking back to that Brian Eno cover, like picking out little things. I kind of try to not intermosh that or anything, but just little things you can find or little like kind of Easter eggs basically, or like little jokes, like keeping it humorous. Yeah. You could hide all kinds of stuff in there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just really, I appreciate the lack of formality it changes colors so that you can cleanse your mind, body, and soul in the light. Covered a lot. If if there's anything else you wanted to, do you want to promote anything? I'll list your at, at DeathScum on Instagram, at Samantha Wendell on Twitter, SamanthaWendell.com. That pretty much covers it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, you're nice and this nice.